Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. I wasn't really feeling fulfilled, restoring and conserving our work, and I began to feel my real call. That was working with more artists, discovering all these approaches, all these different pieces of our work, and bring them together and create something even larger, because that's what, in essence, a curator does brings the artwork and creates another layer of meaning. That's what really became my passion. Alicia Gopal here from the Career 100 podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast. Today we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers, and today I'll be talking with a curator. Curator is one of those positions and jobs that I think is absolutely fascinating. One of my favorite things to do in my free time is visit museums, and so when I had the opportunity and knew that Curator was on the list. I really went out to look for somebody who is at a museum that I would really like to spend some time with. And so today's guest is really going to be sharing a little bit about her background and how she came to be working at the California African American Museum, as well as she'll tell us a little bit about her background. Her name is Mar Hollingsworth. She currently works at the California African American Museum since 1998, and during that time she's acquired wide experience as an educator and a visual arts curator, organizing and curating retrospectives of prominent figures such as Milton Bowens, Artist Lane, Dewey Crumpler, and John T. Scott. Ms. Hollingsworth has a particular interest in exhibitions that bridge the Latino and African-American cultures, such as Common Ground and Inside My Head, Intuitive Arts of African Descent, both presented at CAAM. She recently curated the largest retrospective of a Mexican artist that focused on the representations of people of African descent. Ms. Hollingsworth is currently working with Dr. Martinez Ruiz, a professor at Stanford University in a retrospective exhibition on the art of Colombian artist Manuel Mendev. In addition, Ms. Hollingsworth is preparing a major show about self-taught artists from the American South scheduled to open in the fall of 2013, and I can't wait. So please join me as I welcome today's guest, Mar Hollingsworth, who was previously recorded at another time. Mar, I thank you and welcome you to today's podcast. Thank you so much, Felicia. So I'm going to really just kind of jump into it and ask you, how did you get started as a curator? Well, my interest in the arts started when I was very young. I was always drawing and painting, and I always liked to go to small galleries with my father. And and as I grew older, and uh, I remember some of my first museums slash museums, the first ones I visited were in London, and I was just fascinated with the Natural History Museum. And perhaps that particular museum called my attention because I realized how much of an impact you can make when you are in charge of presenting objects, cultural objects. So 
I think that was the first time that really grabbed my attention. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a curator. You know, that's something I found out many years. But I realized how much things can be enhanced depending on how you present them. But with natural history, you start realizing how the design, how the way you research a topic and how you present it, how that can have an impact on the exhibition. And, and that's something I have not seen before. I have seen very conservative type of small-scale exhibitions. I was from a very small city in northwest Spain. So for me, the great discovery came when I went to London and I saw these huge exhibitions in, also in, in the Tate Gallery that had huge artwork, uh, contemporary artwork. And of course, when I went to Madrid later in my life and I went to the school, I also got exposed to many trends, new ways of presenting art. And that's how my interest continued. I specialized in art conservation because I really was very uh, attracted towards the materiality of the works, about preserving the work, about saving the work. But as I continued in my career, I realized that I wasn't really feeling fulfilled restoring and, and conserving our work. And I began to feel my real call. That was working with more artists, discovering all these approaches, all these different pieces of our work and bring them together and create something even larger. Because I think virtually that's what, in essence, a curator does brings the artwork and creates another layer of meaning depending on how that artwork is arranged, selected, of course, in the first place, displayed in the gallery and complemented, you know, with the colors of the walls, with didactic labels, with sound in case you have any, any narrative going on. So that's what really became my passion and why I wanted to get into curatorial studies. Well, you know, that's really fascinating because I really hadn't ever thought about it that way, but it really does have an impact between the way things are curated. I live here in Irvine, and I know that I just got invited to a show that was being put on by the city of Irvine where they have, I think they have five or six different curators who are presenting the same idea, if you will. So Mm. say that the idea is to display, and I'm going to just make up something crazy, but to display tables. So, you know, to see tables from the perspective of five different curators, because every single one of them could have a very different view and a very different way that they organized and actualized the central idea of table into a work and it really can make a difference absolutely absolutely does it does some curation gives you the feeling that they want you to come up close to really examine and get close to the work whereas some curation is more along the lines of it wants to be seen if you will they want you to kind of stand back and take in the curation and sometimes I think that from my perspective as just somebody who enjoys art, the curation sometimes can get in the way of the art. Mm, Well, I don't believe that curators want to be on the way on the art. What happens is that obviously there are artworks that are very delicate, that they are not inviting to be touched. I'm thinking about uh, an installation I have 
now at the museum. And one of them has a component, it's a carpet. And the artist doesn't mind that people actually step on the carpet, but she doesn't want the people to actually get on the center of the carpet because of the way she raised it. So obviously there we have to be respectful of the artist who doesn't want that thing that she made in a specific way to be altered. Also, I have another artwork in which the artist left books on the floor, and I don't believe that she particularly cares if people touches the books. But of course, if people keep touching the books, the books can be damaged, the edges can become bent, and there is a deterioration of the item. There are other artists who just want to make people participate in the artwork, and that's the artwork. I remember an exhibition in which the artist was placed by the artwork and people would pass by and the artist would give roses to people and other flowers and people were supposed to put those flowers on a grid. Or uh, also many years ago, we even have an exhibition with an African-American artist, Dred Scott, in which he invited people to talk and record their thoughts about their experiences in a school. This was in conjunction with Brown versus Board of Education. So he wanted to hear stories of integration or the failure of integration. So it depends on the art piece. I don't think that curators who are serious about their job, they put a barrier between the artwork and the viewer. But sometimes not all artworks are created equal, I would say. Well, I think that that's always true, and I thank you for bringing that to my attention because I might not have been aware of whatever the artist was trying to do with it, so they would let me get so close but not as close as I wanted to because that was something that the artist didn't want, and of course they're not telling me that because the curator's not necessarily walking me through an exhibit, so thank you for bringing that to the forefront. So... I'm wondering if you are like many of the curators that I've had the opportunity to know over the years who going in and becoming a art curator kind of grew out of your love for art? Yes. That- yes, absolutely, of art. Yeah, in my case, is an interest in art. So is it any particular type of art or...? Uh, well, I had a wide approach to art, but when I came to USC, I found myself writing virtually all my papers on African-American art. That was a big discovery for me when I came to, to this country. I had studied African art back in Europe, but it was not until I came here that I saw the type of collections that are so, so impressive, you know, in so many places. I have seen African art in London. But really, it was not until I came here that I, I began to see those collections. And of course, it was the first time I really saw African-American art, and that absolutely captivated me. And since then, it has been the center of my studies, African-American art and art of the African diaspora in general. Got it. So I understand that you have that interest, and in, it sounds like you were exposed to it when you were at USC because it was perhaps a different type of art than you've ever been exposed to prior to that. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, it is fair assessment. I think that coming to the United States definitely gave a turn in my career. And I have to say, I became more interested in in African and African-American art than in, in European art. I have to be honest. Absolutely. So I ask a question, which is kind of an unusual question, perhaps for a curator, but I just talk about what sorts of problems does a curator solve? 
Well, I feel that a curator does not exactly solve problems. I think a curator meets challenges, and those challenges can be addressed in many different ways. I think that's precisely one of the most unique aspects of this profession. The way those challenges are met are going to depend very much on where and for whom you work, on your own personality, in your interests, and your career goals as well. I would say that the main challenge for an art curator is to come up with good exhibitions that are relevant to the communities where those curators work. And also they need to be able to develop programs associated with them that are also connected with that community. And all that needs to be done in a street timeline and unfortunately and too often with a very restricted budget. That's precisely why many curators are also active grant writers who help their organizations in raising funds. A good exhibition is a very complex project in which the vision of the curator is accomplished with the help of the whole museum team, including the registrar, the exhibition designer, designers, installers, educators who interpret the work and give tours, etc. So the curator, when he works with the manager of education, can bring those meaningful programs I was telling you about, such as panel discussions, film series, and workshops. In this regard, the curator is a sort of conductor, a coordinator, who keeps the project focused, yet fruitful, and who makes it run smoothly. There are problems, though. Uh, don't get me wrong. We do have problems. For example, when I was curating the exhibition about Miguel Covarrubias, Several important works from Yale did not make it to the show. They just denied the request based on a moratorium. And we were expecting those pieces to be part of the show. So then we have to come up with substitutes. We have to design the whole section in a different manner. And that affected the floor plan. And of course, it affected the production schedule. So also for the same exhibition, we found out that the Smithsonian, that was another lender, had set very demanding conditions for a loan, like increasing the security on the gallery. So we have to come up with extra alarms that we have to install, and we were not planning on it, and that really raised the expenses in, within the budget. And also we have to send many of the pieces back because there was a limit on the amount of time the works were supposed to be on display because of the effects of the light on works on paper. So we also find ourselves with having to do a double shipping, having to pay double for a career just to accommodate the request of the Smithsonian. And leave aside that some of the pieces were in bad shape, and we have to restore them to make it possible to be brought to travel. So those are some of those problems, challenges that sometimes you have to solve. And I could tell you more, but <laughs> I think those are enough. Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting because I never thought of a curator as a conductor who worked with a team of other people who were instrumental in really bringing a project to fulfillment. And I guess that was me being not really thinking it through and being very naive because prior to talking to you, I probably would have thought that the curator was involved in a lot of the things that probably other team members handle within an exhibit. Well, know? and sometimes are. And sometimes are. And that's something that I was planning to tell you about later on. But that's also why I told you that it very much depends on where you work. If you work in large institutions that are very specialized, you're going to have a specific task 
you're going to stay there. But if you work for smaller institutions, and that is something that I had done myself, sometimes I had been the registrar, and sometimes I had been the civic designer. Sometimes I had work in conservation. So it depends really where you work and the structure and the character of that place, you know? It really depends. But in general, for the smaller institutions, you're going to be able to get out of your box. You're going to have to do more things. Well, I think that that's the nature of small business in general. So it's a small organization often will prevail upon their staff to work in many different roles because oftentimes because the budget doesn't allow them to have a specialized person who just works in one particular area. It's often Mm -hmm. to their benefit to have somebody who can do and work in multiple different roles because it keeps their budgets at um, something that's affordable and allows them to fulfill their mission of getting the work out into the community without necessarily paying major and significant uh, payrolls to multiple different people. You know, I mean, we're very fortunate here out here in California that we've got the Getty, which is an exhibit, you know, is a museum where I'd imagine people will stay pretty much in their role. And of course, I just moved from the New York, New Jersey area. And of course, a lot of the museums in New York are also very large. But many of the museums that I go to on a more frequent basis that because they were just close, the curators, I'd imagine, were probably called upon to do much more than, if you will, their title stated. Yeah, and also just think, if there is just one person doing a specific job, if that person is sick or he needs to take time off for any specific reason during critical time, then even when that person is in that job, the curator is going to have to step up to the plate and do it because there is only one person. And ideally, there should be one person and a series of persons assisting that, like the registrar, I wish we could have assistance to our registrar. Our exhibit builder is one person, some two, but we should be having like five people. So the chief of the civics department could take some real vacation time that he hasn't taken in a long time. So unfortunately, that's the way it is right now with a small organization. I understand. So are there any common mis- or misconceptions about being a curator? Oh, yeah. I think there are. Unfortunately, I think there are many. I have run into uh, a few people who either don't know what a curator does at all or people who tell me things like a curator just hangs paintings and makes them look pretty, doesn't he? Doesn't she? So I can tell you that being a curator requires much more than that. To be a curator, it requires a lot of reading. So be ready to read. You have to read a lot. And you have to be able to do research in many different ways. And you have to read and research for both your specific subject field. And also, you need to read the museum studies in general to be abreast of um, trends and what the big people are doing and try to kind of learn from them. Also, being a curator requires a deep knowledge and understanding of the institution you work for and a strong interest in social and political issues. And I'm telling you this since I am a person who works in an ethnic-specific museum, and ethnic-specific museums are heavy in this regard. Being a curator also demands a serious attitude towards your practice, because basically to choose to show one artist or another, or, or just to show their work in a certain way or a certain time, 
that's a big responsibility. So you need to be prepared to justify what you do, what you do. Another misconception is that curators are always visiting studios and going to all parties in town. And I wish I had the time to attend more openings, that's true. Or that they are always traveling to other countries and to exotic places. Well, that might be the case in sometimes. And some curators who are also professors at universities and have the opportunity to travel. But I think most of the time, curators work in their offices and in the galleries. And there is a lot of writing involved. So there is a lot of necessary time in the office reading and writing. You know, I think that I probably would have erred on the side of a curator's role is to hang things on the wall and look pretty. You know, I never really thought about ethnic-specific galleries and how politics might come into it, but I could see that that would be something that would be really important to them, if nothing else, getting the word out and being able to create a vision that's consistent with the mission of the museum. Yeah, and that's something I want to talk to you later, the mission of the museum, is the mission statement. A mission statement, you know, it's a few sentences that tell you what the museum is supposed to do. For example, for the California African-American Museum, the mission statement is the Californian African-American Museum collects, preserves, displays, and interprets the art and history and culture of African-Americans with an emphasis on the west of the Mississippi. And each museum has an statement. So many, many statements have become less formal than ours, but because we are a state museum and we were funded with that premise, it's something we need to follow. Got it. Let me talk to you a little bit more about this type of work. The work also of a curator depends on the type of exhibition he is developing, he or she is developing. For example... There are traveling exhibitions, exhibitions that come from other museums, other organizations that travel those exhibitions. And sometimes curators go look into catalogs, look into websites and choose an exhibition that fits that museum statement I was telling you about. So first thing is that that exhibition fits the museum statement. So that's a possibility that we might want to rent to bring it to us. Another important thing is, of course, the price, how much it's going to cost us to rent the exhibition. It's going to be important also to see the square footage of the exhibition, how much space is going to require. And, of course, there are other considerations such as how long ago we explore a similar theme or a similar idea, and, you know, we don't want to repeat that too often. So those are some of the things that, we need to do when we rent, when we bring to the museum a traveling exhibition that has been organized by someone else. And there are great organizations, the Smithsonian Travels Exhibitions, uh, Exhibits USA, International Arts and Artists. So there are quite a few organizations that they just do that. They prepare exhibitions to travel through the country and sometimes even internationally. Then there are the in-house exhibitions that are the exhibitions we curate at the museum. And there there is a variety. There are exhibitions that can be very ambitious, like the one you mentioned that I have the honor to curate about Miguel Covarrubias that require about three years. And sometimes they might require even more because you just need between two to one year the most 
to ask for works to be lent by other organizations. So between two to one year, just to ask for work to be brought to your museum, to lend that work. And of course, you have to deal with the production rights. Sometimes it's just a whole research you have to do to be able to find out what you can reproduce, how, and find out who you have to pay. And that sometimes can be very costly. There are other in-house exhibitions that are smaller in scope. Sometimes we have retrospectives that can be done in a shorter period, like the ones as you mentioned, Artist Lane, Dewey Crampler, John T. Scott, etc. And those are always very interesting in the way that I find it very gratifying because it's great to get to know the artists, a living artist, interview the artists, find out where the artwork is, and that's definitely very enriching. Sometimes we also can have exhibitions that are collaborations. We can hire a guest curator. So even when I am a curator, I might not be the lead curator in a project. I might hire someone else to help me who instead is an expert, like the exhibition on Manuel Mendive. Uh, and I'm working with Barbara Martinez Ruiz from Stanford. And sometimes we also have partnerships, like, for example, the one I was working on when I was first hired at, at the California African-American Museum, that was a partnership around a theme, the heritage of African music, and the exhibition at the museum was uh, Rhythms of the Soul. And there were other exhibitions at other institutions like LACMA and the Fowler that also explored musical instruments, artwork around music, performances, and that also facilitated a huge range of programs, many buses, touring the three museums and that was a fabulous and very ambitious project that really came across. So there are many different ways of working within the community with other organizations and of course there is the most basic and I would say as a curator for me the most necessary exhibition that is the exhibition about the permanent collection. That exhibition is the one that includes pieces that are in the collection of the museum that had been recently accessioned. And in our case, most of our, our accessions come through donations because unfortunately we don't have a budget to purchase our work. But I'm very happy to say that we have wonderful artists, very, very generous donors who give us our work in historical objects very, very frequently. So that exhibition is supposed to be the display of the permanent collection. Usually the best way of approaching it is through a thematic exhibition. Used to have one called the Journey West that explore the history of African-Americans departing, starting in West Africa, uh, making a reference and is exploring the Middle Passage, arriving to the South, and then progressively moving to California. So for me, that's a wonderful theme that really, I think, embodies what the California African-American Museum is about. Great. So you talked on a couple of occasions about how you became a curator. Is there a career progression or a career structure as a curator? I mean, is it necessary to have a degree in fine arts or curation or whatever you might get a degree in, or could somebody come in a, perhaps a different way? 
well, I am going to tell you a little bit about the structure first. So okay. in a small and medium institutions, the curator works under direct supervision of the museum director. And then the curator also works with his fellow peers, including the registrar, exhibition designers and installers, and a chief of education. In some cases, a visual arts curator might work with a history curator also at the institution, like is our case, my case at CAM. Curators also work closely with development and fundraising individuals in their organizations with a fiscal department that tracks budgets and processes, payments, and keeps track of expenses. A curator might also work, and that this is, you know, going down on the structure with young docents and interns. The basic education for an art curator is obviously, I would say today, I think the curator is going to need a master's in art history with a specific field of study. There are also masters in museum studies that are very helpful. And after that, I think just get as many internships as you can, even volunteer in a curatorial department if, if you can, because that will give you a real life experience. It's very different to write about art and then actually go there and make sense out of it in a space. It's, it's different. Also, before being a senior curator, it is very likely that you might work as an assistant curator under the leadership of someone with more experience. It might also be possible to work as an educator who supports research and writes panels and didactic labels and then kind of do a move sideways, especially in small organizations, to make a transition from education to curatorial work. But I think that is less likely now. And of course, there are many people who come from the fine arts field. I want to talk to you about that later on. I think it's one of those trends that are going right now. There are many people who are artists who come from a very conceptual type of training, and they are also curating exhibitions out there. So there are many ways you can get there. There are several ways. Great. So if you had the opportunity to give a young more advice based on what you know today about the curation field, what would you tell yourself? Well, I would have recommended myself as, as well as I recommend any young person listening to this program, get out there, get out there more often. If you like the arts, it's not enough to read and to look at pictures in books. It's not enough. Also, museums are fabulous, it is true, but their role as interpreters and decision makers transforms their cultural offerings. It transforms them into something that is already very mediated. If you want to develop your own way of thinking, your own personal taste, try to get information closer to the source. That can help you to develop your own criteria. That is, go to alternative and experimental spaces, our fairs, student shows, and especially try to go to artist studios. Also, pay attention to older generations. There are great artists with many exhibitions and tons of work, but very little has been written about them. If you have an opportunity to meet a senior artist, go and do it. You might never have another opportunity to do so again. When you are there, take the conversation, take pictures. You can imagine how much, how much those experiences can make you grow. Also, try to apply for as many internships as you can and definitely volunteer. If you can also attend a conference, do that too. Sometimes the students are granted fee tuition in exchange for a summary of a presentation. More things, travel. 
travel, travel. Do it while you are young and don't have major family responsibilities. And I know that it's obvious, but learn a second language. Here in California, Spanish is a plus. Also, if you can afford it, start collecting. You might need years before you can include a favorite living artist in an exhibition, but perhaps you can start showing your support, your involvement in the field by buying a small piece, even a sketch or a drawing. Also, this will allow you, it will help you to develop critical eye and to be aware of your own evolution in terms of personal taste and, and appreciation of quality. You know, I think that that's excellent advice. I mean, buying a piece, I I think I'm a person who likes to buy original art and sometimes it is out of my reach. And so oftentimes I will get, you know, a lithograph or a, you know, whatever it is that the artist is sharing. And I know that over the years, my eye is attracted to certain things and not attracted to other things. And I think that that's something that a curator would benefit from is to start to look at different types of art and not just what is something that is favorable to your eye today, but also looking at something that isn't so that you can start to kind of come up with an opinion about this is good art, this is not good art. And I use that word perhaps incorrectly, because it's not necessarily good and bad art. For me, it's art that resonates with me and art that does not resonate with me. And so as I look at and build my own personal collection, you know, there are artists that commonly will resonate with me. And so I add their pieces. And oftentimes the way that I can do it in an affordable way is by doing it through photos as opposed to fine art pieces. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's really good advice in that if you're interested in becoming a curator, it's your taste will develop over time and exposing yourself to different types of art is one of the ways that you can broaden your view and your eye. Yeah, and and another thing is that a curator does not have to like the art he curates. You know, there are two different things. You have to appreciate it, be able to talk about it, but that doesn't mean that you would include that particular artwork in your own collection. So, you know, as a curator, you have to have both. You have your own taste and you have to have the curators, the historian, the art historian who can dislike not being attracted towards something, being able to see the value and the importance of placing that piece in a museum, in a collection, or that or recommended for someone for to, to acquire. So that's important to know the, the difference. I remember when I was in college, I had a friend who wrote a paper and he asked me to read it. And he'd obviously spent a lot of time on it and it just wasn't my style. And so I told him that that was not my style. And so he was really kind of offended because he had spent so much time on it. And I said, look, I'm not a big fan of Hemingway either, but that doesn't make the writing of Hemingway any less valid and any less great than it is. I was just like, I'm just, you asked me for my opinion. I gave you my opinion, but the work can be outstanding and it's still not going to be to my eye. And I go, and it's very different because I'm your friend and I can give you that versus your professor that you're going to be turning it into may see it through a different eye. And I think that that's basically what you were saying about how a curator needs to be able to see the value in a piece, even though it may not be a piece that they would personally add to their own collection. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what changes are going on in your industry that a person who's considering the profession needs to be aware of? I think I mentioned to you that I see more and more artists uh, being taken seriously while curating shows, and I'm really thrilled about that. I have managed exhibitions curated by artists, and there is just one up right now, Hotel It on the Mountain. I co-curated with an artist and curator, and I'm very happy with the results. So for me, uh, opening the possibilities is always good. I think what matters are, are the results and how that message is conveyed to people and that people are able to get that information. So if that happens, I'm all for it. I think artists are very capable because of the highly conceptual approach to our making that is going on right now in colleges around the country. And I just think about artists like Fred Wilson, who have been very innovative um, when creating our installations based on curatorial practice. So that, I think, is a very exciting approach. And also extremely, extremely happy to witness how large mainstream museums are increasing their interest in black art and artists from the USA, from Africa and the African diaspora. More and more museums are focused in their collections in these areas, in the programs associated with those exhibitions and those collections. And obviously this will require a larger number of curators on those fields who hopefully will be people of color. Absolutely. So why do you think a curator is on the list of the top 100 careers? Well, I think that because we are in a world that is becoming increasingly more complex visually, and it's still necessary to count on organizers, mediators, who can choose someone among the millions of options, present them to their audience in a meaningful manner. You know, because there is so much information and because there are artists who are daily creating art, I think that um, from my perspective, curator really allows me through their eyes to take and be introduced to artists that I might not have discovered in my own walk because we're all busy in our own lives. And so Mm -hmm. a curator often will introduce me to a new artist that I newly fall in love with. And I think that that's one of the benefits because you talked about one of the things that you do in your job is you, you know, you have to research, you have to read, you have to see what other people are doing. You go out into the communities and see what other people are doing. You do artists studios there's all sorts of ways that information is out there and available and so for me the beautiful thing about the role of the curator is that they can help me discover new art installations and new artists that expand my world because I'm somebody who likes to travel and oftentimes you can travel through art and I think that that's just a beautiful expression mm-hmm. absolutely So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Well, just to kind of summarize uh, about how to become a curator, I think you might arrive to the curatorial field through many different paths. You might have been an English major, an artist, an artist historian, an art educator, etc. You can then be a curator and work in a museum, a gallery, a cultural center, You can even teach and become a professor or work independently as a consultant. You can work for private collectors. 
I have even recently realized that interior designers and certain high-end stores might also need a curator's expertise. I have recently discovered that. But as important as it is to be professionally competent, it is crucial. It is crucial that curators know themselves and their preferences. Get to know who you are and what work environment suits you best. Large museums are very structured and have a very well set of procedures in place. They require long-term planning. With the smaller museums, there is more room for improvisation and professional development. Sometimes financial challenges can turn into creative solutions that might become extremely rewarding. Like, for example, concentrating in building and presenting a permanent collection. Large museums require very high specialization in your field, while smaller institutions might need you to do a little bit of everything, even including PR, registration, and design. Freelance work is always an option, but I think it's harder to make it consistent. So those are some of the things I wanted to mention regarding, you know, when you start working and what your options are. In general, also, I would say that there are other requirements for a curator in able to do his job well. He must be able to navigate with success the politics of the work environment, his institution, organization, and the art world in general. He must have the absolute trust and support from his director, gallery owner, or supervisor. He must have a timely and efficient communication with co-workers, associates, and external vendors. And also he must be able to secure the receptiveness, financial support, and participation of patrons and his community at large. So the role of the curator, as we have learned in this interview, is much, much broader than hanging the pictures on the wall. So today, (laughs) (laughs) it's much, much broader than that. So if somebody was interested in more information about curation or if they wanted to contact you or visit your museum, would you like to share that information with us today? Yes, of course. People can uh, visit our museum, the Californian African American Museum, at www.caamuseum.gov. CAA Museum, spell the whole word, G-O-V. And my email information is mhollingsworth, M-H-O-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H, at caamuseum.org. I can also be reached at 213-744-7695. And I certainly encourage anybody to come and visit the museum. We have some great exhibitions going on right now. And and also to college students, I want you to don't don't hesitate to contact me if your school offers credits for internships. I am very open to possible volunteering internships even if it's a few hours a week. And also we recommend you to keep an eye on the Getty Multicultural Internships since we offer several positions during the summer, both in education and curatorial work. All right. So I've really very much appreciated it. Thank you very much for your time today. All right. Thank you, Felicia. Bye. If you'd like to learn and hear more of our 
Upper 100 podcasts, I invite you to visit our website at College Funding Resource. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Mar of valuable information to share about their respective careers and the way that they got into it. I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today, and I hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. If you've benefited from our podcast, I invite you to go into our iTunes channel and rate this podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your comments. See you next time. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.